the culture of your home is the incubator of character. You are the only mother that your child has. You're the only father that your child has. You're the only person who can be you in their life. And you have a lot to offer. Isn't the goal of parenting not that we have these 42-year-olds who are still coming home on time and cleaning their rooms, but that they actually leave and we have hardwired them for the virtues that we want to see in them? The thing we all have in common is that we are interested in our kids' future. I know the Parent Network exists to help moms and dads in whatever way you can, when you can, and how you can help moms and dads help their children have the future that God's promised them. Hello and welcome to the Parent Network Podcast, episode 84. I'm Sass. And I'm Karin. And Karin, I have a question for you. Um, right, and, and it's just be honest, okay? Karn does not know what this question is going to be. It is February third of two thousand and twenty-two. How do you feel about the fact that our Christmas lights are still on our house? <laughs> I don't know if we're the only family that's like. I actually, I know we're not because I see other actually people turning their lights on in our neighborhood. But how, how are you feeling about the fact that our lights are still on the house? Well, I. I'm just feeling that they should come down because I want to be able to use them again next year. And, you know, we got new lights this year, so we invested yep. a little bit of money. Yeah, into so the them. thrifty part of you is coming out here. Uh, well, yeah. And for the fact that, I mean, you say it's me that's thrifty, but you're the one that usually doesn't like to spend money on the lights. Well, that's See, that, true. The, the funny thing is, uh, I am thrifty about almost everything, but when it comes to Christmas lights, gonna, our, our house is going to light up. That's the one place that I can spend as much money as we need to, to make the house, you know, just look yeah. happy and full of light at Christmas. So yeah. it's really for your benefit that I want these well, lights you. to come down so that you, you feel like we're not wasting money. Thanks for thinking of me in that way. I really appreciate <laughs> it. And, and I'm the one who's going to have to climb the ladder and get them down and Life's busy, and it's been cold and rainy and blah, blah, blah. I just wonder if anybody else is kind of in the same boat. If what, they Christ- still have the Christmas yeah, lights Yeah, I really, I wonder. Very possibly. Yeah, it is possible. Hey, well, you don't want to talk about Christmas lights. You want to talk about serious stuff as a parent, and don't forget the Parent Network podcast is here to help um, equip and encourage you as a parent to help your family walk with God. And today I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have. But, Karen, before we get to that, I know there are a couple things kind of going to be going on here at Port City. That's right. Soon, and if you're a parent, you should get signed up for. So why don't you tell everybody about kind of the first one. The first one is the Daddy-Daughter Dance um, coming up on February 18th. Um, and so that's been uh, just a real hit. And did we have it last year or last year? No, because we did not. Yeah, so I thought, okay, I, was, yeah. I couldn't remember if, um, if it was two years ago we didn't have it or when, or when we were back on it. But anyways, we are back this yes, year, 2022, with the Daddy-Daughter Dance um, and just hoping that lots of uh, dads and daughters will sign up. And also, just a little plug, moms, if you have some time and would like to help make it a success, I know that um, SAS is looking for some key volunteers just to kind of help pull it off. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and let you know, you can email either Erica Svob or Shelly Kinder at our church. You can find their email addresses at our church. There is a team of moms that's already kind of planning this and going through it, but they, they are going to need a lot of volunteers that night. So it's Friday, February 18th. If um, you are a dad or know a dad who has a daughter who would love to go Um, get their groove on at the daddy-daughter dance. It is so much fun. I've been there with our daughter a number of different times. Um, So anyway, you can go to our church website, uh, portcity.church forward slash parents, and you can find out kind of more information and get signed up for that. That's coming up real soon. And then 
The second thing is going to be on February 28th. It's a Monday night, 630. The Parent Network event yeah. um, where we're hoping to be able to um, have people come in and hear our speaker and sit at tables and have discussion. We're really excited to have author and pastor of family ministries. Stop it. Sass is shaking his head at Stop me. Stop it. Uh, come and speak. Yes, it is our very own Chris Sasser, <sighs> who um, is actually is quite excited just to, to share um, with you guys about some things that have been on his heart and his mind for so long that he had enough information to actually write a book about. And you guys get for free, get to come in and hear all about it. And it's, I think it's going to be really helpful for, for parents as they help um, navigate parenting and helping their kids to be spiritually, emotionally, mentally, um, and relationally healthy. Yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, I'm really, I am really excited about it. it. It just feels a little bit weird to, to do any kind of self promotion, quite honestly. But it's, it, uh, it is kind of a project and a thought that I've had for a long time, and I'm going to get a chance to share it with people right here at our church. Um, what we're going to be talking about is sort of how you can help your kids lighten the load. Just kind of in a nutshell, I feel like kids are struggling so much in life, um, just with all the different things that come their way, and they're, I think they're packing and carrying uh, what I call just emotional baggage. And there's all these bags that they just have no idea how to process. And so how can we as parents just really pay attention to the things that are going on in the lives of our kids and be able to just help them kind of along the way, along their journey, just sort of lighten the load so that when they get to be in their young adult years, they're just healthier, kind of like Karen said, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and relationally. So we'll be talking about a couple of the bags that night. I feel like it kind of piggybacks on what we are about uh, to listen to, which is a conversation that Sass had with Will Hutcherson author, um, co-author of a book called Seen, Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. So there's some really great practical tips in this book. And same thing, what Sass is going to be talking about in, in a couple of weeks, really practical things that as parents we can do just to help our kids. Yeah, and I've had the opportunity to get to know Will over the last couple of years through kind of a, a, a conference that we go to together and uh, we've kind of become a little bit of friends. And so I just called him up kind of once this book came out and said, hey, can, can we do an interview with you? And so he graciously said yes. And so what you're going to hear for the next few minutes is a conversation that I had with Will. It's on Zoom. So, you know, the quality's not, you know, crystal clear, perfect. Uh, but still, you get to hear kind of some of his, his insight and input on uh, just some practical things that we can do as parents and some things that just our kids and in their culture that are going through. And so we're going to listen to this interview with Will, and then Karn and I are going to come back and just highlight a few things uh, as we wrap up today. So enjoy this interview with my friend, Will Hutcherson. I'm here uh, today with my friend, Will. Uh, Will, thanks for joining us so much. And I got to know Will just a little bit a number of years ago through um, a couple of events that we were a part of together at uh, this thing called Next. And uh, it's with a great organization that I know a lot of folks in our church know pretty well, Orange. And so um, Will's written a new book with a co-author, and I think it is just brilliant and so good. And um, we've had it kind of around here at our church for a couple of weeks, uh, actually a couple of months. And so I know some parents have already grabbed it, and we're going to keep kind of putting it in front of people. So Will, thanks for joining us. Tell us just a little bit about you, your family, your ministry, um, and we'll get into yeah. the book in just a minute. Great. Thanks, Chris. And it's good to see you again. And uh, yeah, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for over 15 years and worked with kids and students 
Um, and I have three kids myself, so I'm also a parent. So I have an 11-year-old, I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter, and my 11-year-old my is my boy. So um, Chris, you know this, I, you know, we've worked with kids and students for a long time. Um, I've worked with middle schoolers, but now I have a middle schooler in my home. <laughs> it's a different ball game. A whole different ball game. It is. I, I seriously, I look at my middle schoolers sometimes and I just go, middle schooler. Like it just hits me. I'm like, you're a middle schooler. And, and he acts so much like a middle schooler. It's it's great. Um, but I love it. You know, you know, youth guys, we're we're all crazy. We we just love the the middle school and high school years and how nuts. That's right. And, but um, but yeah, so I, I'm a parent and uh, worked with kids and teenagers for quite a while. In 2018, though, I started a nonprofit, started working in public schools specifically on issues of mental health. And uh, that's taken me to um, also working with Dr. Chinway Williams. And as you mentioned, we wrote the book Scene that has been a practical resource for parents and caring adults on just how to help kids when they're facing anxiety and despair. And so uh, we we recognize that there's been a mental health crisis, and as you know, many parents know and pastors we know um, there's not enough uh, pastors and counselors uh, to meet the need, and so we want to make sure every parent is equipped with at least some some basic tools to help navigate these mental health uh, challenges. So, what was it that first uh, prompted you to say, "Hey, I want to"? We want to create our resource for yeah. people to be able to step into this. Because obviously as a, a pastor being around you, you know, you, you were doing it, you were in the middle of kind of helping kids, but what, what prompted you to say, hey, let's, let's take this bigger and let's make it a resource? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really came out of a need. So, you know, as a pastor, I was, you know, been talking with a lot of parents and a lot of parents that were just feeling powerless and feeling stuck and just saying, what can I do? How do I help my kid? And uh, other than like counseling, but again, the counselors, you know, long wait lists. Yeah. Uh, my family's had affordability issues. And so it just, it just felt like there weren't great options. And when it came down to the practical tools, there was great things about how God wired our brains and how to, you know, help influence healing in the area of despair. But usually there are really thick neuroscience books that the average parent wouldn't read. And so um, it really came out of that, like feeling like, wow, we really need some practical tools to be able to help navigate through mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. and, um, and parents are a key part of the healing too. That's the good news. And, and so we wanted to equip parents and caring adults on how to be a part of that healing. So that's where it came from. It came from that, that need um, yeah. of recognizing we need more, more conversations around this. Yep. Okay. So before we jump into kind of the meat and potatoes of the book, um, tell us what's um, what's something right now that is uh, is a joy for you as a parent right now. Ooh. Okay. That's great. Well, I have three, and uh, my five year old, you know, is the baby, and she, uh, she is the the just the little princess, you know, and she lives up that that third child, you know, stereotype. <laughs> She eats it up, you know, she just believes everyone's there to serve her and, and not in a, like, she's not like super mean about it. She's just sweet about it, but it, it definitely <laughs> it uh, comes out. Huh? It, yeah. And it makes me laugh a little bit. Cause she just, <laughs> just expects everyone to do something for her. So we're working on that. We're trying to balance that out, but, <laughs> but she is a joy. She is in a fun little season and, 
And my eight-year-old is uh, is just a smarty pants, and it's fun to see her. She's uh, she's just blooming and, and blossoming. So, and then obviously my middle schooler. We've had some interesting conversations lately as he is learning new words uh, in his school and new terminology and asking <laughs> about certain things. And so we've had a lot of great conversations. But I would say the joy right now is. Uh, we decided this year that we're, we live in Florida, that we're going to be um, Disney people. So we got Disney season passes. Oh, fun. We're, we're trying to do that. And uh, it's kind of our thing this year of how we're going to invest in our family and do, do a shared activity. Um, so, I mean, I've had to take out a small loan to afford all this. But <laughs> just getting, you know, we're, we're getting there and, and that's been a joy. So we're having a lot of fun with, with Disney in this season. So on that note, so I have two kids. We have 18, a 17-year-old son, soon to be 18, 15-year-old daughter. And, and me and my daughter, we, we take car rides sometimes. That's just part of the way we kind of connect. We'll get in the car, we'll go for an hour, and we'll play music. She, yeah. uh, a couple songs came on the other day. She's gotten into country music a little bit. And there are just some things that were referenced in the songs that, yeah. you know, weren't, weren't like, you know, uh, bad, but just she didn't know. And so she started yeah. just asking questions about, hey, like, Dad, what does that mean? And what did, what, what did he mean when he said that? Yeah. So we're having a lot of those same conversations too, as just, you know, worlds open up uh, all along the way. For sure. Kind of guide. So, okay. So, so, so without getting too personal, anything right now that you would say is a challenge uh, in parenting for you? Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, different phases and different challenges. We, uh, I I feel like we just came out of a pretty, you know, challenging phase in parenting. Um, and we've been navigating that, uh, right now, one of my kids is, uh, struggling with some like coping with some changes, you know, with school and friendship dynamics. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's created some anxiety and some stomach aches and, you know, some things that I'm just, I'm starting to, you know, just be aware of, um, you know, my wife and I were just talking about like, hey, I feel like something's going on here. You know, it's when when you start to just see behavior start to change in a way. So uh, that's a new challenge for us right now that we're just trying to lean into. Um, anytime we see that in one of our kids, we try to kind of slow down, have more car, car ride conversations and just try to see. Usually it's sometimes it's just some changes that they're trying to adapt to and cope with and um and if we can help, you know, kind of spur that conversation, you know, and depending yeah. on the age, it's, it's various ways on how that comes out. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. So you've already kind of mentioned a little bit in the, the beginning of our conversation, but tell, tell folks who don't know much about scene, just tell them about the book, kind of what is the content and, um, you know, anything specifically you want to kind of jump into with that. Yeah. So scene is a book to really guide parents through practical tools Um, It's about a two-hour read, and the whole idea is to give practical tools for parents and caring adults on how to help um, kids heal, influence healing when they're facing anxiety and despair. Um, In many ways, these are connection tools, um, communication tools, just to uh, help influence the brain towards healing. And the main reason why is because when when Dr. Chin Wei and I really looked at the research, we realized that... um, specifically a parent connection or a caring adult connection can influence the brain in predictable ways. So we know our brains are wired to respond a specific way when we experience stress. And so our brain does predictable things. When we experience trauma, 
stress, like it kind of moves in certain directions. And so we've learned that we've, we, we know that um, in, in predictable ways, meaning it's not always one way, but there's a couple different routes that it goes, you know, um, in the same way, the brain does predictable things when we feel seen, when we feel connected with on a deep level, um, the brain does predictable things. So specifically the core illustration that we use in the book is that your brain, although it's made up of many parts, can kind of be categorized in two different parts. You have the right side of your brain and the left side of your brain. And your right side of your brain is where predominantly your emotional processing takes place. This is uh, the scientific terminology is the amygdala. It's where your fight, flight, or freeze is. Most of, you know, anyone listening to this has probably heard of the fight, flight, yeah. or freeze, you know, response. Um, and so if you think of it, if you kind of picture, you know, the right side of your brain being the predominant processing for your emotional energy. And then the left side of your brain is where your logical processing takes place. And so um, when we experience stress, cortisol, a stress hormone that, again, we've, we've heard of a lot about, um, kind of floods the brain. And over time, especially as we experience uh, or perceive stressors, we can have this kind of cortisol drip, you know, drip, 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 drip. And over time, what this can do is kind of um, separate, kind of think of despair, especially when, when someone gets to a place of despair, as a dispairing between the right and the left side of the brain. So uh, this is oftentimes when you ask somebody who is in despair or feeling despair, you ask them how they feel, they'll say, I don't know. Or they'll say, I feel numb. And, and it's uh, another word for this is like an emotional detachment. And that's because the brain is predominantly kind of blood flow shifting to the amygdala. It's prioritizing the right side of the brain energy, decreasing logical processing. And, um, and you really need logical processing in order to put your feelings into words. That's where your language processing kind of takes place. And when the two sides are detached, we just, you know, we can't do that. So mm -hmm. this, this is a tough place to be though. And especially when people get stuck in this mode where the right side and the, the left side are kind of detached, because this is, this is where you just kind of get stuck with all that emotional energy and you're not able to logically process through and cope through the challenges. Um, this is, you know, a, a place where maybe suicide ideation starts to creep in. And, um, and if you stay in that too long term, you know, it just kind of, it kind of sticks, mm -hmm. but good news. And here's the good news. The good news is that yes, the brain can get to that place. Um, but the brain also responds to love and empathy in a, in a very predictable way. Another hormone called oxytocin um, is kind of a love, it's kind of the love hormone. You know, it's, a, it's an emotionally bonding hormone. And when we feel seen, when we feel connected with, when we feel empathy, oxytocin goes to work. And oxytocin can play a part in helping to re-engage the logical processing and decrease the emotional processing. So one of the core things that we talk about in the book as well is we talk about emotional exhale. That when, when we have this, especially a teenager, when they feel like there's just all this emotion, it's kind of like they've taken a big deep breath of air and they're not able to exhale. But when we feel seen, when we feel empathy, when we feel connected with, when we feel understood, when we feel safe, it's like we're, we're allowed to just kind of go and just exhale that out. Um, otherwise, you hold it in, it can yeah. build up, it can go in different ways, you pass out, right? You know, yeah. but, um, and so we, that, that, that's the importance of connection and the, the tools that we talk about in scene are all about connection tools to influence um, feeling seen, feeling connected with, feeling safe, 
to decrease that emotional energy, increase the logical processing, and ultimately decrease despair and feelings of anxiety. Yeah, and as you and I both know, that, that, that seems to be compounded because the teenage brain and the young adult brain is just not fully developed yet. So right. the, the, right. the yeah. despair is even worse and compounded because of just sort of where they are in, yeah. in their development. So, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yep. yep. So talk about, um, I know that there are kind of five sort of key things that you sort of encourage leaders and parents to do. So maybe just maybe just talk about a, a couple of those because I, I don't want you to give it all away because I want people to go by the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's great. So what are a couple of the, the kind of encouragements that you have for parents in, in the hope department? So I would say, you know, the, the biggest thing is, and you just said the word hope. I love that, by the yeah. way, because yeah. this really is a book about hope. I, I've sat across the table with so many parents who are just at the end of the rope and they're just feeling powerless. They're feeling stuck. And, you know, as a pastor, we have spiritual tools and our spiritual tools are powerful tools. Like there's power in prayer. There's power in the word of God. There's power in Jesus name, you know, mm -hmm. um, but God is often a God of means as well. And he created our brains. And so he's given us practical tools um, to, to be able to navigate and help these things. So it's, you know, these tools that we talk about in the book that are very practical don't mean that they take away from the spiritual tools. They're, they're used in conjunction with the spiritual tools. And that's, that helps bring us more hope, right? That we yeah. have some actions, yeah. kind of faith with action. Yeah, <laughs> these there you go. Steps. See, these are the action steps. And so, um, yeah, so one of those tools, we'll, we'll talk about one, we'll talk about see them. So see them is probably one of my favorite tools. So if, if I'm only going to talk about one or maybe two, I don't know how much time yeah. we have, but um, see them is a, is a really good one because intuitively as parents, uh, what we typically do is, is, is sometimes in our, in our response or in our parenting, we can kind of uh, default to logical processing. But when we have a right brain activated kid, so going back to that illustration, right brain activated, emotionally activated, and we try to meet them with left brain logic, oftentimes we miss them, right? And any parent of a teenager has made this, this mistake and every single one of them understand exactly what I'm talking I about. I did it last night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll make that mistake. Yeah. And, and so, and it's tough because as a parent, you want to help your kid to have resilience. You want to help them overcome. You want to have them, you want them to have grit, not to give up. And, you know, you want them to overcome challenges. You also want them to have responsibility and take ownership of their grades and, you know, success. And, you know, as parents, sometimes, you know, our kid will see our kid do something and immediately we think worst case scenario, you know, it's like, if yeah. they don't learn how to take responsibility today at 11, somehow they're going to end up in prison, right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait, hold on. Yeah. Slow this train down, right? Um, but uh, so we have that desire. We want to lead them. We want to, to create successful adults. At the same time, we have these kids that are facing a whole lot of, of cultural and emotional pressures. And uh, they don't have the same structural, cultural um, environments that we had growing up, which if we have more time, we'll, we'll talk. That's a whole nother book, right? A whole nother conversation. Yeah, right. But, um but we have to keep that in mind that the, the pressures that they're facing, the things that, that are around them are just different and they're new. And, and again, I wish I had more time to, to present that. But um, so in light of that, in light of where we are, we have to kind of shift the way that we approach it. When we have a right brain activated kid, we need to meet right brain with right brain first. So this goes back to that emotional exhale. So um, when they're 
experiencing high right brain activity, you know, emotional, um, we want to meet them with empathy. So uh, I'll give you an example of this. Let's say your teenage daughter, your 15 year old, you know, comes home and she's mad. She kicks off her shoes across the room. And, you know, you and your wife have told her a million times, like, stop kicking your shoes off across the room. She throws her book back down and you can just tell there's some sass going on. And yeah, so you, it's a right brain day. Yeah, yeah. And you go, what is going on? And she goes into, she's failed her test. And it's the teacher's fault because the teacher didn't give her the right study guide and on and on and on. And you respond, you go, you failed your test? And she goes, yeah, I failed my test. And she keeps on going. And you, okay, stop it. Hey, I don't know what you expect, you know, you didn't study last night. I told you to study. And instead you were texting your friends and you're on the tickety talk, you know, damp sap and doing your thing. And, you know, you, you're going to get what you put into it. So I'm not surprised, you know, if you want a different grade, you're going to need to do something different. And maybe you even throw in a, you know, non-theologically, you know, correct zinger, like, you know, God only helps those who help themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And And what's going to happen in that moment, again, we've all made this mistake, but your teenage daughter in that moment will roll her eyes and say, you just don't understand, right? What she's really saying is you don't see me. You don't see me. And and if we can recognize this cycle, because again, we've all seen this cycle. If we can recognize this cycle and approach it differently, we're going to have a different result. Mm -hmm. And we're going to help them to emotionally exhale in these moments. So let's take the same scenario. And instead of meeting right brain with left brain logic, because that's what that does, yep. uh, let's approach it with right brain first. So 15-year-old daughter comes in, throws her book back down, kicks her shoes across the room. And again, you're like, what is going on? And she goes into how she failed her tests, and it's the teacher's fault and all this and that and how, she, how disappointed she is. And this time you think all those same right thoughts, because all those thoughts are correct. It's not that they're wrong. They're correct. You just hold on to them for a little bit, put them in the back of your head. And instead you, you see the emotion and you think to yourself, you know, if I was her, I'd probably feel pretty disappointed. If I failed a project at work, I'd probably be pretty upset and feeling shame maybe, or embarrassment, like all an array of emotions, maybe anger, right? And, and so you just remind yourself of that. And so you see right brain, activity and you meet right brain with right brain and you choose to go, oh, you failed your test. Yeah, I failed my test. You go, oh, honey, I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I would feel really disappointed if I failed my test. I can see how you, you know, you're feeling pretty upset, you know, maybe frustrated, whatever you're seeing, you know, say the emotion that you're seeing. And she goes, yeah, I am. You say, sit down, tell me about it you know, and just give her that time. Now, again, if this is the first time you do this as a parent, your kid's going to look at you cross-eyed and be like, <laughs> who is this person? What happened? You know, um, where's my dad? Yeah. 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 But if you really truly convince them to let them know that, Hey, there's not, I'm not dropping the other side of the hammer here for, for a little bit. I just want, I just want to hear you. You know, if you really allow that right brain energy to decrease, get that right brain down, then you'll be able to loop back and engage left brain logic. Mm -hmm. And again, 
we all know this intuitively. We just forget to process it in, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And so it may take 10 minutes. It may take later on that day. It may take the next day. So it doesn't mean don't follow up the conversation with maybe a conver- you know, a question like, hey, do you think there's anything different you could do? you know, to, to have a different result. Your, your daughter might even come back later. Oftentimes that's what happens with my kids. They'll, they'll just come and tell me what, you know, the, yeah. the logic side of it. And so, uh, but I've allowed them to, to just be heard. At least they feel understood in that moment, you know, yeah. in the midst of their failure or their mistakes. Um, you know, and this, this doesn't just apply to, to parenting. This also applies to spouses too, right? I mean, you know, if you, if this is your wife, for instance, you know, you might, you might take a week before you engage the left. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that it's the same process that people yeah. just need to be seen first, that they need to, to see the, that we need to see the emotion, allow them to, to, to process that out, to have that emotional exhale. Then we can lead them with left brain logic. So, well, and, and like thinking through myself in that scenario, what it takes for me as a parent is it's an exercise in patience. It is. Because oftentimes as a parent, what I want to do is I just want to you know, get right to the thing because we got to move on and you know, life is coming at all of us so fast. And so what if we as parents can just, you know, exercise the patience to be able to step in to see them? Yeah. Um, and, and what I, what I think that does, and I, and I think I've had some situations with my kids where um, I've been successful at this, it helps to, and you, you talk about this in the book, it helps to strengthen the relationship. It is does. what it does, yeah. which is, you know, infinitely uh, more important than what happened in the moment and the test and the shoes and all the things. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's really hard to do this and continue to go at a fast pace because, you know, really the speed of our life is is in sometimes just uh, even a trauma response. You know, that's getting really deep. But um and, and we're keeping our own brains in kind of a 911 mode. So when we're going 100 miles per hour in life, uh, what we're doing to our own brains is also keeping ourselves in a high alert, high, you know, just kind of, you know, 911. Our central nervous system picks it up that way, which is why, I mean, to go spiritual here, I think this is why Jesus modeled for us over and over and over again solitude, solitude, yes. Sabbath, Sabbath. Like he withdrew daily or at least at least the bible says often we can assume daily yeah there was a there was a consistent withdrawing um and just slowing down and that was with a culture that was already pretty slow by the way a very slow culture i mean if if jesus needed to go across town to have a meeting he walked there with a donkey and a group of people it takes a long time yeah. no podcast no radio nothing it was a long walk in processing and in, in talking. And, and then even with that slow culture, he was also withdrawing. We, we don't do that. We're, yeah, we're, we're so, terrible at that. And, and so that's another factor, I think, of why we are having a mental health crisis. So we have to take that in consideration, not just for our kids, but also for ourselves. If we want to help our kids through their despair and anxiety, we have to take into account how how our brains are and how fast we're keeping them amped up. Cause it's going to be hard to see somebody when you're moving hundred miles per hour. Yeah. Cause you don't even see yourself. That's true. Yeah. Quite honestly. Okay. Let me ask you to speak just really quickly about one more of the tools. Talk about speak life. Cause I just love that one. Um, and I think it's so critical for us as parents, because part of what I believe is that oftentimes as parents, we get into just sort of the, the managing life mode 
yeah. and the speaking life just sort of goes to the to the back of who yeah. we are. But talk a little bit about speaking life because I love well, that. That's good. Speaking life is one of my favorite ones. And as a pastor, I mean, pastors, we're all about speaking life. We're like, let me just encourage you. That's <laughs> let right. Me, <laughs> like, you know, let me tell you what I see in you. Um, and, and honestly, here's my mistake. My mistake was I would jump to it too quickly. And so what Chin Wei and I always kind of try to emphasize is like speaking life is so important, but we have to do the other things first, like see them first, show up first, just listen first, then speak life. You know, it's when they feel seen, then, then they'll actually receive the life that we're speaking. But yeah, speaking life is a big deal. And, um, and we encourage parents, I mean, every moment that you can amp up how much encouragement you're giving your kids. And yeah, that's great. Uh, speak to not only like uh, their, their performance in things, speak to who they are, speak to their identity, speak to the outcome even of like, um, hey, instead of saying like, hey, good job, you got an A. Hey, good job. I saw how hard you worked and how much effort you put into that. You know, so it's it's not necessarily speaking to the just the one outcome. It's speaking to the process of the outcome, speaking of how they got there and uh, really celebrating those things. You know what what celebrated is repeated. Right. And oh, so, yeah. so um, you know, there's different ways you can do it if you're not sure where to start with speak life. I mean, just simple, like every time they walk out the door, just, you know, look them in the eye and say, I'm proud of you. I love you. You are special. You are smart. You know, you are. Um, speak to even, you know, if you're, you're listening to this, you're a Christian, like speak to who, you know, God says they are, you know, you are a child of God, you are seen by God, you, um, you know, all those things. So yeah, uh, that's great. You know, speak life to them as much as you can. As they walk out the door, look them in the eye. Eye contact is a big factor, by the way. So eye contact, appropriate physical touch. Those are all really simple things that kind of hack the brain a little bit. Um, but when you do them on a consistent basis, it can actually influence some of those, uh, happy hormones, if you will, and, uh, decrease despair and anxiety. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay. Anything else that you would want to just really quickly say to parents as an encouragement, obviously I'm, I'm, uh, highly recommending everybody go read it. You can, um, kind of get more information at thescenebook.com. anywhere else you would send people for it. Will, or is that the best place? You can go to parentq.org, uh, go to the store there. Uh, you can go to amazon.com. You can find it there. So there's a couple yeah. of places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So go get the book, number one, but anything else that you would say to people, um, kind of parents who are listening, just as an encouragement to them? You know, I'd say, you know, parents, if you have a teenager who's struggling with anxiety or despair or any other mental health challenge, I just want you to know there's always hope. And um, it's not always going to be this way. You know, there there is hope. And if we can slow down, connect on a deep level, and, uh, and, and by the way, you know, th this is the last thing I'll say with this, uh, for you parents, inevitably, every time I hear something about parenting or parenting tips, I immediately, my brain goes to all the times I've missed it or I failed. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you that no matter how many mistakes you've made, um, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about being an intentional parent. And research shows that, that the kids that end up making it really well and having success and healthy emotional um, you know, kind of structures in their life, it's not that they had perfect parents, but they had some parents that helped, you know, in some intentionality. And uh, even one bit of research we read was that uh, you don't even have to get it right the majority of time. In fact, one study showed that if you can emotionally respond 
two out of five times to your kids, that's enough to build emotional resilience. So that's awesome. That's pretty good news. You don't even that's have right. a majority. <laughs> just Not even 50, 50, two out of five. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. All right. Hey, Will, thanks for your time. Thanks for your effort, your research and all the good stuff. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. So hopefully that was uh, helpful for you to be able to listen to Will. Can I unpack a few things from the book? Again, I highly encourage you go find this book, Seen, Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Their Teens Through the Power of Connection. And so, Karin, what are a few things that you wrote down that, that kind of hit you when it comes to, to this conversation? I tell you what, I feel like I could spend the next 15 minutes talking about what he talked about, but I will not do that for our listeners' sake. we got a few sake. minutes. we got a few minutes. However, I loved the whole meeting the right brain with the right brain. Um, it was very convicting to me because I want to solve the problem, and I don't want to take the time to have to do that, to, to do all the things. But I was just thinking about what's going to be most effective and what's going to be most helpful. So I need to reorient my brain and decide, you know what, take a breath, empathize, and then you can cover the things that you want to teach and instruct at, at, an, at another time. But also when he was talking about speaking life into our kids, as well as I think you both were talking about the importance of solitude and slowing down for us as parents, um, so that we have time to think. It reminded me of a Bible verse. For those of you who have been around Port City Community Church, you know, we do this thing called My One Word. And my one word for the last two years has been the word attuned because I wanted to be more attuned to the Holy Spirit and listening to God. And I just wanted to be attuned to the needs of others. And so the Bible verse that I picked to go with this was Isaiah 54 which says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. And I thought that went just perfectly with it. It went, it, it just kind of made me think about that verse in a whole new light, just the whole that he wakens me morning by morning to listen. Like we have to listen to God and to take that time to know the word that's going to sustain the weary or in, in terms of our kids, how can we speak life? How can we affirm them? That the Lord will give us those words, but first we've got to sit and be still and listen. And I just, I feel like I'm always needing this constant reminder to affirm our kids, to speak life into them and to encourage them. And so I just thought that was a great reminder on Will's part. For yeah. Me. And one of the things for me in both kind of the, the conversation with Will and in reading the book that has convicted me is just the empathy piece mm -hmm. and just not being, I'm just not good, especially with one of our kids. I'm just not good at empathizing with what's going on with them and, and really kind of being able to, to, to get into their space and to be able to, to kind of meet, you know, right brain with right, is it right brain? Yes. Right, right brain, brain with, with right brain, brain. Um, in those situations. And I just think how, how could the relationship change and be better if I was willing to do that um, in a lot of different ways. And then I, I don't think I, I don't think I've said this here before, but like part of what's been rolling around in my brain recently is, is how for a long time, I think I, I was probably taught, and I probably operated on what we need to do with our kids is we need to just push them through things. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, push them through things. Where I really think our kids are is we need them, they need us to help them through things. And there's a difference. For sure. And, and, and I think that's where the empathy sort of, you know, kind of comes in with me is if I can learn how to empathize and help my kids through things instead of just push them through things. I'm sure there are times I'm going to need to push them through, but still, 
for the most part, I want to help them through instead of push them through. So anyway, anything else? Uh, well, like I said, there's probably a million things, but True. those were the, the two that really struck yeah. me the most. Well, you know, Karen said kind of before we started that we need to have Will on again, and I think we're going to do that at some point to have a bigger conversation. But um, for now, uh, hopefully that was helpful. Go get the book seen um, from Will Hutcherson and Dr. Chinway Williams. And um, if there's anything we can do, to help you, please email us. You can email us at parents at portcitychurch.org, or you can email me or um, Erica Schwab or Shelly Kinder. The, again, the three of us are really, uh, a lot of our job is really helping you as parents and equipping, equipping and encouraging you as parents. And if you're, uh, if you're listening to this before February 28th, we'd love to see you at the Parent Network event. And um, I really do kind of think and hope it'll be helpful for you as a parent to be there. So thanks for listening to the Parent Network Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PC3Parents. You can do that on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, all those things. And then I think it might be helpful if you go in and leave a review for the Parent Network Podcast. I think that just helps kind of get the word out to more people. I hate saying that. Anyway, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the Parent Network Podcast. <laughs>